There's two kinds of time talked about in the Bible. And the first time is chronos time in the Greek, and it means, as we get our word chronological, chronological. And that means seconds and turn into minutes, minutes turn into hours, hours turn into days. What is chronological? And then there's Kairos time, and what is Kairos time? It's seasons within the Kronos. So every one of us, whatever age you are, you're living in you're living in these times right now uh, of, of Kronos time, right? And in whatever age you are, a minute you're a minute older, right? But when you get into Kairos time, what's that mean? That means there's seasons within it. That's when the, God opens windows of opportunity. And that's why I kind of keep my foot more to the floor, and Steph and I are a great balance. She kind of pulls it back a little bit, but she knows when she needs to leave me alone and let me put my foot to the floor, because if we don't, we're not going anywhere. That's what vision is. Vision is about seeing it and going for it. But, but what we've got to also realize is there's seasons to go for it. Everybody say there's seasons to go for it. And there's seasons in your life. There, there's a season, you know, uh, uh, the, the book of Psalms, what's that song? Uh, song of Psalms. What? There's a time to live. There's a time to die. There's a time to sing. There's a time to weep. All that. Yeah, there is. There's seasons. And there's seasons within your assignment. Say there's seasons in my assignment. There's seasons in your assignment. There's seasons in your calling. And there's times God have you on the shelf and you think, I'm just on the shelf. I thought he called me. And then all of a sudden, boom. He propels you right out into the middle of something that you would have never planned on your own. And I found that even as, as we pastored this church and before we pastored this church, I'll think I'm in a season. And I might be for a while. And then all of a sudden, something happens and it, it, it provokes me, it, 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 it challenges me or, or something like that to move into something, to do something, to make a difference, right? To bring change into a situation or bring change into someone's life, to bring transformation. You know, what we learned last week, a couple weeks ago when I was teaching, also with Mark, that whenever God called, whenever Jesus called uh, Peter and John, right, and Andrew and them joined in as well, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, there was a, not only a season change, but it was a dimensional change. Because he said, first of all, you've been fishers of men. That's one dimension, right? In other words, that's one season in their life operating, doing what they're supposed to do. What? They go out and do what? Drop their nets, Right? And they used those nets, and those nets is how they would pull the fish in. Well, I want you to realize, when we talk about those nets, they signify a lot of things to a believer. When we look at those nets, we drop our nets, that's where our provision, our livelihood is, our work is, our career is. When we drop those nets, man, that's where we pull up the issues of life, right? In those nets, because they didn't always pull fish in, right? They'd pull trash in, they'd pull sticks in, or they'd pull nothing in. So nets, when I look at that, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, it represents more than your calling or your assignment. It represents also the issues of life. And if I had a net here, I'd done it years ago, an illustrated message on this sermon, and I'd hold those nets up, and I'd say, man, these nets, they represent so many things in your life. And what Jesus said, I'm going to move you from the dimension that you're in of fishing for fish, and I'm going to take you into a new dimension where you are what? Fishing for men. And what's he saying? Fishing for people. Fishing for souls. In other words, what you're doing now is good, Peter, and you've been trained to do it, and you work hard, and you're committed to it. And he said, but that's in the natural. But I'm going to put the super on your natural, and not only can you still fish if you want to fish for fish, but mainly that same anointing and gifting is going to multiply when you operate in my dimension that I've assigned you. 
And there's times when you just feel like, man, all I'm doing is I'm an attorney or I'm an accountant or I work at Toyota or I work at Wendy's or whatever it is or, or I'm a stay-at-home mom, whatever it might be. And you feel like, man, where am I at? I want you to realize that God always keeps you now in the new covenant in a dual dimension. Everybody say a dual dimension. No matter where I am, I'm called. Why? Because no matter where I am, I'm saved. If I'm sick, I'm still saved. If I'm healed, I'm still saved. If I'm happy, I'm still saved. If I'm sad, I'm still saved, right? If I don't know and understand, I'm still saved. If I'm in fear, I'm still saved. If I'm on the faith mountain and I'm roaring like a lion for God, what? I'm still saved. But guess what? That also means if I'm saved, I'm what? What? So, so it means even when I feel like I'm on the shelf, what? I'm still called. Even when I'm at work, I'm still called. Even if I'm laid off, I'm still called. Even if I'm sick, I'm still called. Even if I'm broke, I'm still called. Even if I'm tired, I'm still called. Even if I'm disgusted, I'm still called. Even if things are going great, I'm still called. If I'm on the mountaintop, I'm still called. Everybody say, I am called. So what I want you to realize, what Jesus did was change the dimension of humanity. Not only did he come to be your Lord and Savior, he came to call you into the kingdom for such a time as this. And he doesn't call you without anointing you, and he doesn't anoint you. There's no way you can be anointed and not be transformed. Now, what, what else did we learn in that passage a couple weeks ago, and Mark hit it again, what was that is that Jesus said, your job, Peter, is do the following, I'll do the changing. Your job, Peter, is do the following, and I'll do the changing. Peter, you follow me, and as you follow me, I will make the changes in you. So, so many times as believers, we're trying to be qualified. Well, if I study enough, if I pray enough, if I'm holy enough, if I'm humble, you'll never be enough because you're dead. In Christ, the hope of his glory. <laughs> the old you is dead. You're the new you. You're the, you're the child of God. You've become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and what? Yeah, but all things are new and I'm still a realtor. All things are new and I'm still a plumber. All things are true and I'm still a nurse. All things are true and I'm still working in the factory. All things are true and I'm still a stay-at-home parent. What? All things, in all these things, he's transforming you. In all these things, he's equipped you. And all these, your assignment doesn't change because what you're doing, your assignment only changes as God transforms you. From what? Glory to glory to glory. What's glory? Doxum, God's manifested presence, God's visible, God being seen. So what happens is the more you follow Jesus and the more you pursue him, when you pursue him intently, when you have an intentional heart to pursue him, that's when the quickest and the greatest transformation comes in your life. And as you do that, what happens, it accelerates everything in you. Have you noticed like when you first came to Christ and if you really locked in, and you were sold out, and you were just busting it, it just seemed like, man, things started happening, and crazy stuff happened in your life, and things got better, or this or that. Maybe it got worse, and then it got better, but you were on that mountaintop. There's somewhere along the way life happened. What did it mean? 
Well, before you were a baby, you, you, you had to walk on the walker and be strolled and pushed around, right? And you, you had people around you taking care of you and making sure you were safe, discipling you. But after a while, you became a toddler and maybe even walking. And now it's like you're on your own, but you're not on your own. Even if you're toddling, he's with you. Even if you're walking, even when you fall down, even when you're asleep, he's with you. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. But the key is when you pursue him is when you see the greatest transformation. So that's why in your early years as a child of God, what that's the greatest transformation, right? That's when you can see the difference between light and dark like no other time. But as you serve God and you, life happens and, and you start picking up your old nets here and there and things start happening, all of a sudden now the water gets murky, right? And the, water, and the things you were absolute and you believed because it was so stark when you first became a child of God. Because you left one dimension into another. You left the kingdom of this world even though you're still in it. But now your spirit was dead and now it's alive and now you're in the kingdom of God. And you're in a dual place. You're in the world and in the kingdom of heaven at the same time. And it gets murky, and sometimes it can get diluted. And, and sometimes, you know, we lean one way or the other way, not realizing God's assigned you to live in both worlds at the same time. So as we begin to think of this, Jesus said, look, he said, said I'm changing your dimension. And what I want you to do now is you're really going to work in a dual dimension. You're going to work in your everyday happening life, and through your everyday happening life, you're going to work in an eternal dimension for me in the kingdom of God. Does anybody believe that this morning? <clears throat> I said, does anybody believe that this morning? So as we begin, <clears throat> begin to look at that, <clears throat> excuse me, as we begin to look at that, I want to talk to you a little bit this morning in more detail about dropping your nets. Because dropping your nets is the first decision you must make to step in to the calling or the assignment God has on your life. Dropping your nets is the first decision that you have to make whenever you step in to the calling on God's life. Because a lot of times your nets can become your excuses. Your nets can become your excuses. So regardless of your fears, regardless of your shortcomings, or even what other people think about you, I want you to realize this. Number one, you are not perfect, and you never will be perfect until that day you're fully with him. You, you, you're an imperfect person, an imperfect being, living with a perfect spirit and a perfect God in you and on you. It, I mean, it, it can be confusing, can it? That's why you got to trust. Like Steph said, you know, I want certainty, but she also knows you can't have certainty. I can't be certain that, you know, what's going to happen in the next minute. You can't be certain of what's going to happen because we're not God. But what we can do is certainly trust in God and no matter what, he'll take care of us. And if he says step and I step and I miss it, then maybe I didn't miss it. Maybe I need to get off the mark I was on to get over here in this other lane so I can find another way. There's always a way when you're in Christ. Always a way when you're in God. Now, I'm going to take you to a different passage of scripture this morning. <clears throat> take you to John's Gospel, chapter 21. <clears throat> Excuse me, these allergies this season change. And then something happened with the heat where the thermostat was set wrong or something. And oh boy, you all felt that when you got in, right? <clears throat> John 21, beginning in verse 1. It says, Later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the sea. This is what? After his resurrection, right? 
to the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. <clears throat> Several disciples were there, Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. Everybody say, sometimes I want to go fishing. What was he saying? He already denied Christ. He made a fool of himself, and he said, I'm going fishing. Well, I'm going back to pick my old nets up. He said, and then what the other side say? Hey, we'll come too. <laughs> We're going fishing too. The Savior's dead. Well, you know, it's all over. And said, they said, we'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who it was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. And then he said, throw out your net on the right side, right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple, Jesus loved, who was that John, right, said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that, it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, his cloak, right, where he had stripped it off for work. See, sometimes you're working without your covering. His tunic was his covering, right? He's basically fixed, we call it underwear, but under his undergarments. But the tunic is the covering. And, and here he was, picked up his nets, still loved God, knew he'd messed up, but here he is operating in his everyday life without his covering. So, <clears throat> so what did he do? So he, he stripped it for work, he jumped into the water, and he headed to the shore. The other stayed with the boat and pulled the load of net, <clears throat> load net, pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from shore. And when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, <clears throat> fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter, remember what Simon means, one who hears, right? Peter is the rock, the rock who hears. Simon Peter went abroad and dragged, went aboard and dragged the net to shore. There were 153 large fish Yet, uh, and, and yet, the net had not torn. You see, if you want to keep your catch, you got to keep your covering. If you want to keep what God blesses you with and the influence he, he says, you got to be under his anointing, under his covering. <clears throat> so, it says in verse 12, Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. So when you think about that, back in Matthew's gospel, chapter 4, when Jesus said, come, follow me, and I will what make you fishers of men, Peter re responded. He left everything. He left his business. He left everything. His reputation, his influence, he left everything to do the assignment that God had put on his life. And what was that assignment? That assignment was following Jesus. See, the problem was somewhere along the way, Remember whenever in Matthew's gospel, whenever Jesus asked him who he was and all that and what, and Simon Peter was the one that said, well, Simon Barjona then was the one that says, you are the son of God. And Jesus said, way to go, Peter. You're a rock. I'm going to build my church on the rock, and you're that pebble that's going to be a part of it. And now you're called Simon Peter, Simon, the one who hears, the rock who hears, and it's awesome. And before the end of the chapter, what happens Whenever he starts to tell him he's going to be crucified and what was going to happen, Peter said, no, 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 I won't let that happen. And what did he say? Satan, I rebuke you. Wait a minute. You were the rock who hears, and now you're carrying Satan around with you. 
Think about that, how crazy that is. And, and as that happens, what's going on? Peter, Peter is sowed out, right? He, he, he don't get it because he didn't have revelation knowledge. There's time in your life you're doing all you need to do, do and you're following Jesus, but you don't have the revelation knowledge. You don't have the understanding yet. That's why you'll never have certainty. I remember back whenever the economy crashed, we just moved into this building. We had over $7 million, probably $7.8 million, $7 million of debt, and we're a five-year-old church, five-and-a-half-year-old church. We don't have a denomination. We don't have nobody backing us. And the economy, 10 of the 12 businesses that, business owners in our church at the time, all of them were out of business before, within months. Some of them never even got their businesses going. Our top givers, all givers, not just top, all. If you worked in construction or anything, remember, everything stopped. Just boom. I mean, you couldn't even get a, a, a they were crushing the used cars, and it's just a crazy time, right? I mean, every, our income went overnight. We just had Bill Winston in here and uh, Duplantis in here celebrating our sixth anniversary. I mean, this place was packed. I mean, every chair, every wall, we had 1,250. We had to rent chairs, 1,250 chairs, amazing move of God, all that. Within a week after that, the economy crashed, and another week after that, our income dropped 30% and then another 20%, and we were operating on half the budget we were a month earlier. You're talking about somebody questioning God. Because nobody signed for this but Steph and I. And still to this day, nobody's on it. We don't own it. It's a not-for-profit. It, it, we don't own it. But we are responsible if it goes under. They'll take everything we have. But they're not going to. I'm just saying, that's the way it's set up. Because I didn't want anybody else on it. If it didn't make it, it would be us. That's where my faith was. It's a miracle they even let us do it that way. Why did I say that? Say this. And they used to say, oh, it's that rich church on the hill out there. It's that rich church on the hill. And I, I remember reading the scripture one time about God taking care of me. And I said, yeah, you said we're the rich church on the hill. They're saying, well, so you're going to let them make a fool of you and me too, God? We're all going to be fools. This, man, I'm so mad. I'm arguing with God. You know you're crazy when you're that mad. And I'd like to tell you in a week, God fixed it. I'd like to tell you in a month, God fixed it. I'd like to tell you in a year or a few years or several years I, I understood. I'd like to tell you in 10 years I understood. I'd like to tell you in 12 years I understood. But it really took me about 15 years to understand. And about 12 years of hard suffering. Going down and, okay, what was the offering? Okay, it's Friday, it's the end of the month. We, we're running down to town to the bank to, to give them the, the, the payment for the building. One, one month, I sold my new infinity truck. I sold it to pay the church payment. Oh, you thought it was all easy. But was I any less called? Was I any less anointed? Was I any less intelligent? You see, it, it doesn't always come the way you want it. You, you, you say, well, you know, that's like when I told you a story about Parker accepting the calling and the other guys, yeah, do it, Parker. And he's like, they don't understand that. I watch what you and Mom go. He was watching during that time. He saw us downgrade our house and rent a place and then buy another house that wasn't nearly what the other house. He saw all those things we had to do. Why? Because we're called. I said, we're called. And once called, always called. He saw the assignment, and the assignment has a price with it. Hey, Jesus, his assignment had a price. Peter, his assignment, he was crucified upside down. 
Paul had an assignment. He had to pay a price. John, the one who loved Jesus, Jesus loved so much, he had a price. He, I think it was worse for John because they kept trying to kill him and he couldn't die. I bet he wanted to die. They boiled him and he couldn't die. They finally said, you're so messed up with putting you on an island by yourself. We can't figure, you're a freak. I bet he said, well, come on now. Peter got to go quick. John the Baptist got to go quick. Even Paul got to go quick. And I got to be boiled and beat and stoned and I still don't die. Sometimes you just want to die. There's so many times I was ready to die. I, I wasn't never, well, I'm, too, I'm too, what do you call it, not proud, but too, what, huh? Love myself too much to kill myself, but I was sure ready for God to take me many times. I'm like, you can just take me on out here, Lord. Just take me on. I'm ready. I like myself too much to kill myself, but maybe that's whatever, but it's the way I'm made. But, but I sure felt like dying. There's times I was cursing, just take me. I don't care. I don't, I don't even want to drive up on that parking lot. Every time I drive up on there, I see $7 million, $7 million. I don't have a penny. And even if I had it, it's not mine. Somebody else is going to get it when I move on or whatever. I don't own it. But I'm called. See, see, you don't understand. You're called. You may be hiding at work, holding your nets. See, you got a choice. You can hold those nets and struggle and still be anointed, or you could drop those nets and trust God wherever you are and be anointed with a lot more freedom in your heart and in your mind. We don't always have the answers. Matter of fact, most times we don't have the answers. But it's okay, because we're not looking for certainty. We're just required to follow. We're just required to follow. <clears throat> so Peter, <clears throat> what he did, he said, man, I'm going fishing. I mean, you know how many times I wanted to just go fishing and say, heck with this, I'll go do what I used to do. It's a lot easier than this. I just wanted to go fishing. I know there's times Steph, she wanted to go fishing for sure. <clears throat> but what's fishing re resemble? I mean, that's what happened three years earlier, Peter was fishing, and he took, received the calling of God. What's, a, what's those nets symbolize? They symbolize like the same for Peter for us. <clears throat> they symbolize what we know and what we've all, always done and what we're comfortable with. Let's, it's tough now. Let's move to what I'm comfortable with. Let's, let's move to what I know, right? Let's go to a familiar place, a familiar job, familiar people, right? Those nets symbolize that the things we trusted in to provide for our family. I mean, there was ways I could provide for my family, but I'm not getting ready to just lose our home and what we'd worked for, for at that point over 12 years of our life. I, I, I'm getting ready to lose that plus about another seven, six and a half million dollars. <laughs> but I ain't come in and tell people that. I, I, I ain't said that for the last couple of years because it's not mine anyway. This is not my life anyway. It represents what we can see and hold on to. There's no mystery or risk with your nets, right? There's no risk with your sin. You can pick your old sin up. You're familiar with it. There's no risk with unbelief. You, you can have faith in unbelief. You can have faith that it won't work out. You can have faith that it don't really matter. You can have faith that, you know, I knew I couldn't do it anyway. Pick old nets up, right? Those nets represent us being in control rather than God being in control. I want certainty. I want to be in control. I want it my way. 
God said, there's the highway, because you ain't going to have it your way. It's his way. He's Yahweh, right? It's his way. It's his way or no way. So, so what, what he's saying is, the nets represent us being in control rather than God being in control. So dropping your nets, even when you don't understand, is trust. And trust is faith. Simply knowing and trusting God, right? The nets were Peter's identity, right? A lot of times, man, we don't want to lose our identity and you know, people don't remember us and know us like we used to be and, and all that stuff. And, and he had found his identity in his business and what he'd done for so long. But then when he left to follow Jesus, he was so excited to it. It didn't work out the way he thought it would. And he's ready to go back to his old identity. That's a commercial fisherman, right? So what did he do? Peter did what many of us do. He went, he, he picked up his old nets again. And he picked up what he felt he was good at. Peter was a good sinner, right? He's a good old hard sinner, man. He's like, hey, I, I know how to fight. I know how to cuss. Obviously, he cussed Christ. He knew all that stuff good. I'll just go do that. I mean, that's easy for me. So he was running from God, but he was also running from his assignment. So when you pick your nets up, you're not just running from God. You're running from your calling. You're running from your place in God. And we see here that whenever Peter was fishing before, he was fishing at night, and he was catching nothing, fishing all night, catching, that's when he's supposed to fish, until Jesus got on his boat. When Jesus got on his boat, even in the out-of-season time of the day, back there in Matthew's gospel, he said, throw your net in. He's like, come on, we already have them cleaned. I don't, okay, I guess, I'll just, you know, the preacher had a good word, and everybody liked it. I'll just push out again, even though I'm wore out, get my nets dirty and muddy again. Maybe I can get it all done before it gets dark tonight, get back out and try to make a living. See, Jesus can make it work when it shouldn't work. Jesus can make it work when no one else ever seen it work that way before. No one understood how Jesus could have him pull out the boat, just him and Jesus, in the, in the hot time of the day when the fish were down deep, and all they had was little nets, threw them out, and it was so much they had to call people from the shore to come and help them pull them. See, Jesus can make a way when there seems to be no. I didn't say there was no way, when there seems to be no way. But, but when you're following him, that's where the change comes. When you're following him, that's where the transformation comes. And in that transformation, that's where that thing you can't see, you begin to see. The things you can't hear, you begin to hear. The things you don't know, you begin to know. Because God does the changing while you're doing the following. Good times and bad times. Hot times and cold times. Times you know, times you don't know. Times you understand, times you don't understand. Times you're in faith, times you're in fear. You just got to keep following. You just got to keep following. Even when you disappoint yourself or your family or your friends, you just got to keep following. Even when you feel like you've disappointed God, well, you just got to keep following. You just can't give up. You just got to keep following. You got to keep following. And as you follow somewhere along that way, the season of transformation is going to hit. I believe this is a year of transformation for you. See, transfer. You know, when we do for the city, I love it. It's kind of for the city, but it's really for you. Because I know this if we go out as a team for the city, we're going to be transformed. If we want our church and our, all of us to grow in God and to be transformed from, transformed from glory to glory, changed from glory to glory, to be more loving, more caring, more compassionate, more faith, more giving, more serving. If we're going to do that, you know how you do that? You go serve somebody, you go get someone. That, that's being trafficked, human traffic or someone addicted, you get them on a bus and you feed them and you love them and you, you give them clothes, you give them food. You know, that, that's good. 
But you know what? It did more for you doing that than it did even for them. It's good to do that. But what happens is that's how God transforms us. That's how God changes us. That's how God empowers us. That's how he takes us to the next what round, the next level. Move, expand your season. Expand your anointing, your giftings, your horizon. It, it happens when you follow him. You can't follow Jesus without serving others. You may think you are. No, you're sitting out there on your boat in your house or in your car or in your job or in your happy place or whatever, holding your old nets, doing this, and there'll be a time you can't fix it. Those old nets won't carry it. Those old nets won't hold what the problems. you got so many problems and issues, and sooner or later you're going to have to drop them, and you can't drop them without Jesus. You'll be caught up in them. The only way you can truly drop those nets and get them off you and out of your life is to give them to Jesus. Give them to Jesus. Everybody say, give them to Jesus. Say, drop those nets. <clears throat> Jesus was saying, look, Peter, you're looking for something that I already have. Peter, 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 you're looking for something that I already have. Here, Jesus is walking over with his fish sandwich. They're getting off the boats. And he's saying, Peter, you're searching and searching for something. And I already got it right here in my hand. I've got your assignment right here in my hand. I got your life in my hand. I got your calling in my hand. I got your success in my hand. I got your failures in my hand. It's all right here in my hand, Peter. You're looking for that fish. Here's the fish. It's already been fried. I'm eating this. I already charcoal. It's my. You know what? I'm gonna. I'm gonna eat it. I'm gonna ingest it, Peter. I've already ingested you. I took your sin on the cross. I took your shame on the cross. I took your sickness, your disease, your poverty, your perversion. I took it all. On the cross. It's in me. It's on me. I paid for it. You're looking for what I already I have. And the only way you're going to keep it is follow me. Hmm. So you're out here trying to do something and put your old life together and put your old nets together, but I am the answer. You see, even, even, even whenever... Uh, this is really about the patience of God too, right? Your calling is about the patience of God. There was times that if I was God, I'd just struck me and lighten or knock me off. Man, I'd, I'd get so angry at God and upset and frustrated and, and all that and, 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 and just so tormented because I was still kind of trying to figure it all out, make it work, make it happen. And so was that. We were just pushing through. Thank God we had one another through that time. It was a dark time. But, but God, you know, and, and when I come to find out that God rides in your boat even when you have issues. Jesus never jumps out of the boat just because you've got issues. He don't give up on you. I, I found out even when i got issues, I can preach. Jesus is still in my preach even, because, even if I'm not perfect, and I'm not. I realize that Jesus can rebuke sin in the boat with nets. When there's nets, Jesus can rebuke the sin anyway. When I preach and there's nets, Jesus can take care of the nets anyway. Wherever you're at in your life, Jesus can take care of the nets, but you've got to drop them. You, you, he can't drop them for you. The only thing he requires you, two things, drop your nets and follow him. Drop your nets and follow him. Drop your nets. Yeah, but I went on a drunken binge. Drop your nets and follow him. Yeah, but I went back over to that club. I went, drop your nets and follow him. Well, I, I, I hurt this person. Drop your nets and follow him. Well, you know, I'm not good enough. Drop your nets and follow him. Well, well I, I picked up that thing again. Drop your nets and follow him. I it's always asked, drop your nets and follow him because your transformation won't come because you're apologizing. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Forgive me. For drop your nets and follow him. Everybody say, drop your nets and follow him. 
He'll keep using you even when you're carrying your nets. Remember I told you the story. You've been here a long time. Backslidden preacher really preached the message that convicted me to give my life back to God, to give my life to God. When I was my 21, I was 21, New Year's Eve party at a housing development, a crazy party. And this drunken middle-aged preacher backslid and lost his family, alcoholic, drug And he's sitting there, we're just getting high while everybody's doing all this stuff. And he just started preaching to me. I don't know how many hours he preached to me. I don't know. But finally, he said, you want to end up like me? Because that's where you're going. Somebody else in your house or your wife, somebody else's car is in your driveway. Somebody else is spending birthdays with your kids. Is that where you want to be? But this time, I'm not even married. I'm not dating. Whoa, man. But something he said, I, I picked it up, the realness. And, he, and later on, he did repent and get his life together. But it's simply amazing to think that even in his addiction with his nets, God used him to convert me. So don't ever think you can't be used. Don't ever think you're not good enough. Don't ever think you're not perfect enough. Don't ever think it's about you. It's not about you. It's about him and it's about them. It's about him and it's about others. Through it all, follow me. Through the good days and the bad days. Through the ups and the downs, the ins and the outs, the sick, sick and the healthy, the broke and the blessed, follow me. And that's all he's asking. He's just asking us to make the choice to follow him. I want everybody to bow your heads right now. Just bow your heads right now. I want you to just, no matter where you're at, everybody has nets, man. Number one, if you don't think you have a net, you got the net of pride and not real smart, too. So, you know, then we'll call you stupid. My mom always says, stupid is as stupid does. I think it's even more than that. I think stupid is as stupid thinks. And stupid is as that we don't think. <laughs> Every one of us have nets, man. Every one of us have battles. Every one of us have fears and phobias and things we're dealing with and we're pressing, we're pushing, we're trying to avoid, we're trying to get through. I just want to take this next few minutes as we just kind of sit here and let them play and worship. I just want you to say, hey, man, what are my nets? Maybe you need those nets. Maybe you know of a net or two, but there's something else that you don't know about. And God wants to reveal it to you right now. He just wants to reveal it to you right now. Just, just let him right now. 